This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. I want to start out with a question, and, and it's, it's a question to kind of get us into thinking about the service. And it's the idea of daring to imagine. I mean, that's this, this series, that's this, this service. Um, and today we're looking at, at daring to imagine, and we're, we're looking at the idea of vision. Like, what is a vision worthy of our lives? And not a vision kind of worthy where we get to decide, well, that vision is no good. It's, it's like, what's the vision that's like worthy of life energy? Worthy for us to just pour ourselves into. And I want to look at that word daring first. So we're going to do this question here. What is the most daring thing you have done in your life? What did you learn from doing it? What is the most daring thing you've done in your life? What did you learn from doing it? For me, it was switching schools, telling my parents I wanted to go to a different school when I was in seventh grade. And going to new school in eighth grade, I still have no idea why I made that decision. But but it was terrifying and daring. And I look back, and I'm glad I did it. So what was it for you? And it didn't have to be something when you were, were younger. It could be something that you're going through right now. What is the most daring thing you've done in your life? What did you learn from doing it? Please answer in the chat or text me at 215-740-3662. And I want to start by saying this, like daring to imagine. I feel like once we get a sense, and sometimes it's just a sense. Sometimes it's not a picture per se. It's just a sense. When we get that sense, it allows us to actually be daring. You know, very few people are just daring for daring's sake. That is known as one word, dangerous. Daring has meaning when it's moving us to a place. And that's what I want to talk about today. One, one idea that, that might be a place to think about, might be a place to consider, and consider it being a vision worthy of your life. Again, not worthy for you to judge whether it's worthy of your life, but a, but, but a vision where it's, yeah, it's worthy to pour your life here, into this place. And it's so much part and parcel of the real core of the Christian message. And that comes down to two words. All nations. It comes down to two words. All nations. Now that idea of all nations, that idea of God having this, this concept that that this is here for, that God's message and love and care and compassion are here for all nations is incredibly important. And it's not about how do we as a Christian New Church congregation make all nations like us. That's not true welcoming. That's not true openness. It's about how do we do work where we join in all nations in trying to make the world a kinder place. Now, this idea of all nations goes back many passages on it, right from the beginning of the Bible, Genesis, through your offspring. And here he's talking to Abraham. All nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. In other words, you've listened. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It'll be exalted above the hills, And all nations will stream to it. There's that all nations again. That's the middle of the Bible. And then the New Testament. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, and we know these lines from Christmas, I bring you good tidings of great joy. (laughs) Like, this is good news. It's going to bring you joy. If it doesn't, you're not getting it. Which shall be to all people. Another phrase there for all nations. 
For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And the last one here, all nations. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now I just want to pull that apart. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations. Disciples doesn't mean club members. It means students. Go make students of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Beautiful lines there. And it's, it's interesting, like there's, you know, here we see, see Jesus using this vision that, that constantly coming back to, yeah, this is about all nations. This is message for all people. Well, so many thoughts. I was telling Marcus, you know, before the service, one of the problems with services like this is, is I could speak easily without notes for an hour and a half, just off the top of my head, because I think this is such an important topic. But I'll try to narrow it down to far less than that, because it comes down to just some simple things. We don't get into heaven alone. There really, in a sense, is no such thing as private salvation. If I get into what I imagine is heaven on this earth or in the next life, and I'm the only one there, I don't see that as heaven at all. That idea of, of that expanse, of that, of that all nations, of how we hold that is, is so important and how, how we learn to value, and we're going to be coming back to this thread a number of times, diversity, not divisiveness. Or we embrace diversity, not divisiveness. So important. It's interesting, like, like Jesus, when you look at his life, uh, so much of it's about love and compassion, always seems to be doing the kind, the kind thing. He does have a couple of times, though, where he loses it. Where he goes off, so to speak. One of them was, the most famous one, is when he goes to the temple in Jerusalem. In other words, he goes to their big church. And what they had was they had aligned outside all these merchants who were selling people animals to sacrifice. But they were selling them at exorbitant prices. It was extortion. Extortion of the worst sort because it was extortion to draw close to God. That's no good. (laughs) And here we see, like notice the, the language Jesus uses about being angry here. And Jesus, as, and as Jesus taught them, he says, is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you've made it a den of robbers. Wow, that's powerful. So, so his, his anger is triggered, folks. His anger gets triggered when he sees them move away from that idea of all nations. Now that idea of all, can, can, we, can we really have like, a, like an expanded idea of that? I think the danger always is this. The danger when we say all nations, what I said before, but I really want to make sure we're clear on it. For many of us, me included, you know, there's deep underneath, there's this little subtle, not so great part of our brains that goes, yeah, I believe in all nations as long as everyone's like me. I believe in all nations as long as everyone's like me. But that's that's not what it's talking about here. Now, a little bit of an aside for you folks, a little bit of a, 
of a, of a, you know, a little theological sidebar here. Christianity, as it is held in the new church, believes very deeply in this idea of co-respondence. If you're around new church people, you may hear that phrase, correspondences. You may hear somebody just blurt that out. What that means is this. Break the word apart. Co-respond. We have heaven, we have earth. And the two co-respond to each other. A call and response going this way, a call and response going that way. So we don't divide science and religion. We don't say you got to choose God or you got to or you got to choose Darwin. We don't we don't believe that. We believe that science is the actual language of God, and we can actually look at science to try to understand what is spiritual because they co-respond. What I want to talk about here because it, it gives us a great insight. Gives us a great insight around what diversity truly is. We all know what ecosystems are, like that there's all these natural ecosystems out there. And we know the more diverse the ecosystem is, ready for this? Because I think it's fascinating. Geeky, but fascinating. The more diverse an, uh, an ecosystem is, the more healthy and robust it is. Don't let that just slide by. Stop that thought for a minute. The more diverse an ecosystem is, the more robust it is. The better it can deal with change and challenge. Can you see where I'm going with this? Here, folks, are some, are some ways to look at it in terms of measuring diversity. When we measure diversity, how is diversity measured? Two ways, richness and evenness. Richness means the number of different species. Evenness means the distribution of the total number of individuals among the species. So let's look at this, richness, evenness. Imagine I had a garden and I had 100 flowers. If I had 100 flowers and 100 different kinds of flowers, that would be an extremely diverse ecosystem. However, if I had an ecosystem that just had one type, well, that's not a very rich thing. That's not very rich at all, because there's only one. One animal gets in there, one animal, one bug, one plague, whatever, the whole thing is wiped out. And with evenness, if I have those 100 flowers and I have 99 flowers that are this type and one flower that's that type, I don't have a very even distribution. I don't actually have a diverse ecosystem, even though I might have richness going on. That's why that's so significant, folks, again, to to understand is, is that it has to be the way those things come together. That's what an ecosystem is. And again, like, like the richness of it is so important. The variety in it, the diversity in it, critically important for it to be healthy. Let's talk about Yellowstone National Park. An ecosystem. It was just a fun study. Some of you probably heard about it. It just was interesting to me, and I thought, well, let's just talk about it for a second, just because I think it, it shows a lot of, uh, yeah, it just shows us a lot of spiritual stuff to it. 
So back in the day, you know, it was a thriving ecosystem. Uh, got settled. There was a lot of pressure, hunting pressure on it. And the hunting pressure was around wolves. So wolves were essentially wiped out of the park. So they'd always been part for, for millennium, had been part of this ecosystem of Yellowstone. All of a sudden, you take out this animal and it changes the whole ecosystem. So you take out the wolf, the ecosystem changes. All of a sudden, like deer population skyrockets, which means all the flora and fauna start to get increasingly damaged, which then creates all sorts of challenges. So what they did, Yellowstone did, they decided to reintroduce wolves into Yellowstone in 1995. And they were shocked at what they found. In other words, they were reintroducing something to try to recreate a more diverse ecosystem. And when they did that, folks, what happened was that all of a sudden the deer population became controlled. And we're not talking about reintroducing wolves here in Bernathan, just FYI. Deer population became controlled. All of a sudden the flora and fauna started to explode. And what they found, this is kind of interesting, what that found is that that you know, kind of dominoed down into making the beavers, of all things, much healthier. And when the beavers got healthier, the waterways got healthier, and the fish got healthier. See, isn't, isn't that fascinating, the way all those things work and how they all work together? And we have to embrace that. So much of Christianity is about embracing that. Good news for all nations. This is a message for all nations. Not about the frozen chosen. Not about that small group who gets it and everyone else doesn't. Our getting it, folks, our getting it, quote unquote, has to be about getting this concept of diversity. That has to be the fundamental commitment. Some people ask, and some of you have heard me say this, you know, uh, what's, what's the key thing about the new church? And I tell people all the time, we're very fundamentalist about being very ecumenical. Because it's not just about saying, like, diversity is a good thing. We have to make diversity a good thing. We have to embrace it as best we can. So what does that mean, like, like spiritually? Let's start to take a look at, at, at how that works spiritually. Well, I'd like you to think that with our spiritual ecosystem, as I understand it from my new church background, is that each of us has a niche or a niche, however you want to say it. Each of us folks, listen to this line. It's such a beautiful line. This is one of, this is a note to take on your phone. We are all unique, finited forms of God's love. I'm going to talk about that in a little bit more in a little bit, but we're all unique, finited forms of God's love. And that love forms a niche in community and in heaven. As in heaven, so upon the earth. The two going together. So we gather with people who have similar loves. And we get to enjoy that. And we get to bring what is ours to bring. St. Francis had this beautiful line, beautiful line, as he's dying, one of the most beautiful last lines in the world. I've done 
what was mine to do. May God give you to see what is yours. I've done what was mine to do. May God give you to see what is yours. That's good spirituality right there. That idea, if he saw that, yeah, he had a role to play, and he worked at playing that role well. Because think about, folks, like how many times we try to play other roles. Does that work, yes or no? (laughs) No, not at all. It doesn't work. We we don't feel at home. We We don't feel like we're in our own skin when we're doing that. And so, so much of life is finding what our niche is. And, please listen carefully, watching and celebrating when we see someone else find theirs. And, watching and celebrating when we see someone else find theirs. Thinking about this little aside, happiness versus joy. David Brooks said, happiness is when we graduate. Joy is when we watch our children graduate. And for those of us with children, there is real joy when we see them find their niche. We see them find their place. Pay attention to that. Celebrate it. And celebrate it in yourselves as well. That whole piece of us being finited forms of God's love, it, it, it adds this idea, this beautiful idea of discovery. That I can, I can live in this life, and this life can be so rich, and I can just hold my job every day is to be like, I just want to discover this person's love. I just want to discover what lights them up. Ask them, they'll tell you. It's a beautiful thing. And then as we embrace that, you know, then as we embrace that ecosystem, that diversity, we start to see all these different finited forms of love, and we get to celebrate that, we get to bring that together. We start to see this infinite variety. Maybe today we would use the term infinite diversity. Here's an example. Here's some new church thinking on it. Heaven displays infinite variety. Infinite. Not just like limited, like it's infinite. It goes on forever. There's no end to the diversity of heaven. There's not a single angel. Not one. Nada. Nothing else. There's not one angel there who is entirely like another. Not in soul and mind. Affections, in other words, what they love. Perceptions and thoughts. Inclinations and intentions, tone of voice, face, body, gestures, and I love this last one, manner of walking. (laughs) Folks, think about that. Think about that. Like, we're different down to how we walk. We're different down to how we walk. You know, right now, the, the walk of your loved ones. My grandson, my grandson. By the way, for those of you who think you've got the best grandson in the world, I want to assure you, you have the second best grandson in the world. You know, he's got legs that are about, I should have said that, my apologies, your grandson's number one. The, you know, my grandson has legs about this long, and they're slightly bow-legged. So he runs sort of, sort of like this beautiful, wonderful, I just love it, I love it, I love that walk. 
I guarantee there's somebody for you, it's the same way. You just watch them walk. It's like, oh yeah, that's my beloved. That's somebody I just love. I just, I just know it by just seeing them because they're so unique. Totally weird. Out there, on the side, conversation. I was reading a history book, just finished it yesterday. The famous statue, and I should have, should have gotten a slide for it. My apologies for not. The famous slide with the Marines on Iwo Jima planting the flag and then hoisting the flag up. You know, there's five of them, six of them there, and they pushed the flag up. And the guy who was putting the flag into the ground actually, actually died during that conflict. Anyhow, they weren't quite sure who he was because his back's to, to his camera. The only person who knew it was, knew it was the first time that she saw him until they actually proved it later on, actually, actually about it, several months after the war had ended, was his mom. And this is what his mom said. His mom said, look, I can see his hiney, and I changed so many diapers of that boy, that's my son. You got to love that, right? Like, she just knew that was her boy. She knew that was her boy. I think that's the infinite variety, guys. And, And I think that's the way God sees it. Like, let that in, right? That's the way God sees it. He sees you the way that mother saw that son. In some small way, maybe the way I see my grandson is just a small reflection of that as well. That joy and that smile. Since within all this diversity, there's this uniqueness. I see you and I know you. Hold that. And I see you. And I know you. We can create societies that do that. That embrace diversity. That embrace unity, not uniformity. And our hope always is to create a church that reflects that. Our hope always is to create a church that reflects that. So I want to look at three possible ways, as I understand it, that sort of heaven's ecosystem works. And again, as in heaven, so upon the earth. Jesus talking, constantly talking about the kingdom of heaven. In other words, like, how do we bring this down here to earth as best we can? Living it, again, it's not about perfection. It's about progress, not perfection. But how do we just make some efforts this way? in our churches, in our synagogues, in our mosques, in our communities. Well, here's three ideas for you. The first one, every person and therefore every community contributing its own particular value add to the common good. That idea, I want to just sit up. Can we go back to that one a minute? I just want to come back to the common good there for a second. We're all contributing what is ours to contribute, what is ours to add. St. Francis's quote. Doing what was mine to do. That idea of the common good is so super critical. I mean, like almost beyond super critical to get. It comes down to this. The way that diversity can remain diversity and not divisiveness is if we can all move towards the common good. How do I serve this bigger community? What can I do here? Here's my love. This is my gift. I would love to find a place to offer it. 
I want to be curious and see where my gift might fit in or might not fit in in this particular environment. That's what contributing to the common good is. We've used this phrase, I think, every sermon this series. I'm going to use it again. Common good, I think you could substitute the beloved community there. I think you could substitute for the common good the beloved community. What is yours to give there? Be curious about that. The second one. Every person and therefore every community welcoming. And it's welcoming. It's, it's not welcoming somebody in think, oh, great, here's another one we can make just like us. Please pay attention to that. It's not welcoming saying, oh, here's another one we can make just like us. No, it's about really welcoming people. Knowing that the addition of each new angel adds to heaven's perfection. That is like core tenet in the new church. Each new angel adds to heaven's perfection. Every time we have a visitor here, every time we have, we, we, we expand, we should have that idea somehow this is going to make us better. This is going to make us better. That this is something so worth it. Please listen carefully. That this is something so worth it. It's worth improving. That this is something so worth it. That actually it's worth improving. And what is then number three? Every person and therefore every community Caring. While we can't always understand fully what it's like to be the other, we can always care. I want to say that again. While we cannot always understand fully what's like to be the other, we can always care. I think, folks, you know, the idea that we can fully understand the other person's experience is, is really challenging to do. And if we think we can, I'm going to say this really gently. If we think we can, we might be making a very bad assumption. If I think I really know exactly what you're going through, it's way too easy for me to become the self-ordained expert at your life. Be careful with that. I think it's far different when we say, like, yeah, I just, what I want to do, what I want to be is, is I, I may not be able to fully understand your experience, and what I always want to do is I always want to care what your experience is. You know, I think back to my, my teaching years, and, and it, was, it was so blessed with how it started, and it started out so disastrously. I mean, so it was such a big challenge. I taught in an inner city school in Pittsburgh. Again, I'd grown up literally where FFA Day, Future Farmers of America Day, that was the big deal every year. And then to go teach in an inner city school, it could not have been more different from my, from what my experience was. So in this inner city school, I'm, I'm actually doing my student teaching and uh, I get, I get told, um, by the, by the teacher I was under, person student teaching under, he said, look, Chuck, I got diagnosed with cancer. Um, the, the district's actually going to hire you to finish out the year. So in other words, I went in to learn how to teach, and essentially they said, here are the keys to the car. 
teach yourself to drive. This is an inner city school. I mean, it's different from my experience, night, night from day. And I remember talking about, you know, talking with students and, and one student, very pointedly, they weren't actually asking the question, they were telling the question. They said, Mr. Blair, why don't you live down here? And that really caught me up short. Didn't have a good answer there. I just had never had that experience that they had had. I, I didn't know that world. And what I really wanted to commit to was the caring, because there's no way I could ever fully know that world. And for me to somehow pretend that I knew exactly what their experience was, that would have, would have crippled me as a teacher. I need to get they have an experience. That experience is theirs. God has held them in that experience, has walked with them. Can I in some way care enough to learn enough, to be enough of someone who could help them on their journey? And by help, think walk with. That's probably the best way to say that. That, friends, I think, is where we start to get to a diversity that's life giving. We can actually start to dare to imagine. Now some ideas, folks, you know, I'll just read a couple here. Uh, Just some that were fun. Uh, Leaving New York City, my friends, families, band and career at 22. Uh, Choosing to forgo law school despite my parents' wishes. Ended my marriage after 31 years. I learned that I could love myself enough to do it. Beautiful. Gone to school across the world by myself. Learned that life is something where yes is often more powerful than no. That you have far more memories of what you did than what you didn't do. I've learned I am worthy and capable of great love. That's beautiful. Five days backcapping with a Boy Scout troop. You deserve a medal, Clark, from Ohio. Uh, There's a bunch of different other ones that I'll, I'll respond to later. See, folks, all that, all that daring, and you think about, think about where that daring led you. Like, you, you took the dare, and you ended up on something on the back end that was totally worth it. That was totally worth it. So what if? What if we were daring enough to imagine this vision of all nations worthy of our lives. What if we really lived into that in deep ways? What if we really embraced it? What if, what if we, we got away from the thoughts which I get into so much is, I'm glad you're here because now I can make you like us. And you're just, I'm glad you're here. <laughs> we're actually better because you're here. Or better because you joined us. Doesn't matter what background you come from. We are better because you are here. 
That is a vision worthy of our lives. And that takes a certain level of daring to do that. Because it's much more comfortable to close our lives into what is comfortable and convenient. All guilty of being comfort and convenience addicts, raise your hand. <laughs> you know, that's me throwing through. Like what is comfortable, what's convenient? You will find me there. This vision that's worthy of our lives, though, demands that we stretch out from that, that we, that we move out from that in embracing diversiveness. Letting go, excuse me, diverse, diversity, letting go of divisiveness. Embracing diversity, letting go of divisiveness. Understanding we're talking about unity, not uniformity. Not homogeneity where everybody's the same part. That's not it. That's what we can do. And then we start to learn to walk. Again, folks, like here's the crazy part. Then our walk becomes even more unique. The way we stroll through life becomes more unique. Beautiful line from Isaiah 2. Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many peoples. This is one of the most significant, I've preached on it now I think three or four times, one of the most significant lines of the Bible. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Come, descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Beautiful idea of what we can do, the walk we can take. I want to close today's service before the prayer with a video of a couple of parishioners, Frank and Deneen. And I want you to see in, in their words here how they've really worked at a community that's contributing, welcoming, and caring. What that's looked like and how they've found a unique voice that has ended up welcoming hundreds of people in this real miracle of a way. So take a look at what Frank and Deneen have to say, and then I'll be back with a closing thought. Put our green. Yeah. You know, the... Helping Hands started, I guess it's been about 14 years now, and it really just started on a whim. One holiday, uh, Denise and I were sitting at our kitchen table, and we were talking about the upcoming holiday, and we said, why don't we talk to our patients, and, and maybe we can collect some food and, and hopefully feed you know some families at Thanksgiving this year. And, and our goal was to feed five families that year. And we started collecting the food, and, and uh, we were able to feed 13 families that first year, which we thought was really just awesome. You know, we had no idea what we were doing. We were just collecting food and, 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 uh, you know, trying to help some people. But from that simple little gesture, um, we've grown into a nonprofit where each year, I think last year we did over 600 families at Thanksgiving, uh, 50 children at Christmas. Um, we have a probably the largest prom drive in this area where hundreds of girls get prom dresses every year. Um, and, and so it's really something that's kind of evolved over the years. And, and I can say it wasn't something that we set out to do. It was just something that kind of happened. Um, and, and as we started doing it and we just saw a bigger need and a bigger need and we just said, all right, we can help. And, and, you know, through our business, we have a, a pretty good connection into our community. And I realized that, you know, 
we could help a lot of people uh, if we did this. And so that's kind of how it, it just has evolved over the years into what it is. And I'm always amazed at, at what it truly is because, again, we didn't, this wasn't a goal of ours. It just kind of happened, you know? So that, and I think that's the cool thing about it, too. Such a beautiful, such a beautiful set of thoughts there in their helping hands in the Northeast. Folks, can you see the ecosystem? <laughs> can you see the diversity? Can you see the welcome? Can you see again the, the, the contributing, the welcoming, the caring? And can you see how it grows? That, brothers and sisters, in whatever way you hear it, in whatever way you choose to live into it, that view of all nations, dare to imagine it. Because that is a vision given by God that is worthy of your life. Amen. We're now going to close the service. I'm going to do a prayer. And then uh, I'm going to offer actually out loud the Lord's Prayer here. Why we, why we don't do that when we have people here in person. Everybody knows a different version. So I'm going to be offering the new church version. So my guess would be some of you know it, some of you don't. So just, just I would recommend just listening to it. Uh, and then we'll have a moment just of silent reflection, reflection and then our, then our last song. So please join me in prayer. So, Lord, thank you for your presence here among us today. Help us, Lord, again, to look into all nations. Again, Lord, as the music gently plays, help us to think about what all nations mean. What does it mean to embrace diversity, to push aside divisiveness? What does it mean to embrace unity? Understanding, we're not talking uniformity. What does it mean to embrace the common good? What does it mean to dare to imagine? What does it mean to live into that vision that is worthy of our lives? Give us that sense, give us that space, give us that peace. Hear your prayer. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv. 